just before we get started in today's app, we do get pretty candid about past Christmas experiences, uh, including, you know, pretty vivid talk about drug use and alcohol use. So please do Love what's that. right for you before you hit play. <laughs> <laughs> and hit play. <laughs> I'm Claire. I'm Mel. And this is What the Fuck Was She Thinking? A podcast that rebels against girl boss culture and dives deep into the messy reality that is living sober, diagnosed and surviving life in this chaotic world. Before we dive in, Mel and I acknowledge and pay respect to the past, present and future traditional custodians and elders of this nation and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We extend that respect to any First Nations people tuning in today, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, always was, and always will be. Hello, Claire. Hi. I can't believe we're back after a few weeks off. Many, many weeks off. How are you doing? Feels like I haven't spoken to you for ages. It's it's been a while. Um, I feel a bit battered and bruised. Yeah. <laughs> What's been going on? The holiday season, man. It just gets you every time. Um, yeah. Between between the holidays and some last minute metaphoric, 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 metaphorical uh, punches to the face. It's just been. Um, it's just been. More of a roller coaster than I would have liked for the last month of the year to be. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, you know how it is. It will. It's um, been a rough couple of weeks. Uh, for those who don't know, my stepfather died two sun. I think it's about two Sundays ago now. It feels like such a blur. So I understand the metaphoric. Is that the word? We might have to look that up. I like it anyway. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, it's these things that you just don't plan for when the when the you know that this is going to be a hectic season, and then when things just pop up, like you know, hard things, it just feels even more hectic, right? Yeah, definitely. And like, I think I've had. I don't know. It feels like I've had six months worth of shocks in in this month, and part of that has been um, hearing what others are going through as well, like yourself. And there's there's two other deaths that I know about um, that have happened in the last couple of weeks, and and something else with one of my friends. So uh, it's just actually. And another thing with another friend, all in the space of the last two weeks as well. So just trying to be there um, as a friend as well and then also riding your own ups and downs. It's It's been pretty crazy. Yeah. But. Yeah, but have you got some we, good news? You got no, some what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say it is that balance though, isn't it? I totally get that. It's like you know, you want to be there for your friends, but then you're also writing out whatever you're going through. And I know you've had such a tough time over this year and the last couple of months with your health and what's going on. And I think, you know, but you're always such a good friend when you when it comes to turning up for your friends. So just want to say well done for that. And also you're still sober, which I think is incredible. And I'm still sober. So you are still sober, Yay. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm still sober. <laughs> Not that I would judge if you'd had a slip up. You know I'd never judge. <laughs> no, yeah, I I am still sober. Slober. Oh, good. <laughs> slober. I'm slober and sober. That's our new tagline. What the fuck was she get thinking? T-shirts She's made. slober and sober. <laughs> it does feel like that. It's like, yay, I'm sober and slober. <laughs> but I think we should be celebrating that. Yes, definitely. We should definitely be celebrating that. And actually, you know, it is that time and when you're in that that sober circle, like relapses have happened in my sober circle in the in the past couple weeks, and it's just it's just so shit for them, and and it's just so unfair the um, 
the pressure to drink alcohol in this season is just, I don't know, I don't think you can fully understand it until you've tried to be sober in December, but it is just phenomenal. Oh, completely oh my phenomenal. gosh. Claire, I was on my way. It was like a sunny day yesterday and I've been pretty good. Like I'm dealing with grief as well as, you know, trying to be sober in a season where it's amateur hour really, isn't it, with drinking. Uh, but I was driving home and I was like, so I could get a bag right now. Like I'm just going, I could just seriously get a bag and just get wasted. I don't need to do it with anybody. Just do that. Go to a bar and just do a bag. Yep. I feel ya. I was right there with you, but with a few bottles of wine. Yeah, but it's like that loose feel, like not give a fuck about anything and just go and get shit-faced. Because it gets hard, like always planning, you know, always doing the right thing. I think anybody who's had addiction always has that little dark side to them, I think, you know. Definitely. That little naughty side of you that just wants to come out. (laughs) The devil, the devil showed up. Yeah, I, I call it the addict mind and we've been speaking about this a lot in sober support uh, with It's Not Me, It's Booze and it's this addict mind that we have and it's just always there and the most ignorant thing you can do is pretend you don't have it. Just because you've been sober for so many years or months or whatever it is, that addict mind is still there because it is a part of us. It's a part of us and it's also... You know, it's a very it's a very strong mind that is part of us. Uh, so I think it's recognizing during this time that that addict mind is still there. But if you know it's there, you can learn to tame it, which I've been really holding on to lately. Been taming that motherfucker. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear it, babe. And I am so proud of you for going through Christmas and grief and staying sober. That's just so epic, so epic. I deleted my drug dealing app today. And I know I should have deleted it earlier, but I just realized I still have it because it's in Melbourne. Wow. And, yeah. And I was just like, I'm deleting it. I'm amazed that you still have it. That wouldn't yeah. even occur to me. It was, it was a, it was a big moment, you know. I had a Bridget Jones vision because for a number of reasons, it, it was looking like I was going to be spending pretty much the two weeks across just before Christmas all through till New Year's alone yeah, and I had a, a Bridget Jones vision of me just getting fucking plastered on Christmas Day. So, Babe, <laughs> you when you sent me that message, did you say like I was worried about MH? What does that stand for? Oh, mental health. Oh, yeah. Like, so I didn't really understand that message you sent me, and, I, and then I was like, I oh, will talk about it when I see you. But I was like, what does MH stand for? This is I where we're at. This. I'm just abbreviating like everything I can, <laughs> even I was to say trying like, to figure out what it was. Yeah, no, that that's just me trying to like save resources by saving, you know, the energy that it takes to write an extra few letters on a text. Um, but no, that was my mental health. So I was really worried about my mental health, and I also had this kind of Bridget Jones like going to get plastered vision. So I've booked yeah. to go away now and and spend it with one of my friends. I'm very lucky. Just- talk about that that is fucking incredible because I think you know we have this like vision of how Christmas should be all this fun family time where we're all singing jingle bells around the piano and giving each other all these presents but realistically that is not for everybody right that's not Mm -hmm. a real situation and I think what is incredible here that you've planned out what could happen and it's, you know, that Bridget Jones moment and that scenario and you actually put a plan in place so you didn't have to go through that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what I did. Um, I think yeah. it's like, I mean, you told it to me, God, a year ago when I was about to go to a Christmas party and it was going to be my first Christmas party sober and I was like, oh, I really want to drink there and you're like, if you already really want to drink before you go, you're probably going to end up drinking. So the easiest thing to do is probably to to reconsider going. And I was quite new then. And to be honest, like aside from this this conversation that we are having, I have been feeling really strong in my sobriety lately. But definitely just that that two weeks alone, I think it was just going to be triggers left, right and centre. And I have been thinking about that like idealistic Christmas that you just spoke of of Mel and I think 
I think I've come to understand it, which has taken a lot, as two parts. There's like a still a little like seven-year-old me that does really believe in the singing around the piano, $3,000 worth of Christmas lights up on the house and a beautiful tree that probably cost $500 and like. And then, and you got lifted up as a kid to put the angel on top. Exactly. So you get it. And, and then there's that other side of me that realizes that I don't have a family that can sing around a piano and, and play jingle bells. You know, without that family help, I think I've been in the position before within my family where I've tried to just bring that that seven-year-old and, and be the one that brings all that mm. Christmas spirit. But then you end up just being fucking flattered, flattened. And those are the days where I would drink the most because I was the only one doing any work or caring about it. And then they don't care or don't notice the the effort you put in to be the family that's singing jingle bells with the Christmas lights, it just leaves you without resources. So in the past I've drunk through that. So now there's that part of me that realises that, yes, that that fantasy isn't going to happen. Am I making any sense at all here? Yeah, because you're showing here radical acceptance. We always teach this at the hospital that I work at. Pain plus non-acceptance equals suffering. And it's, you're being realistic. We always try and control the things around us and think that maybe it could be different or instead of actually just accepting that this is what it is, you know, this is, this is where your family's at. This is your experience and your Christmas isn't going to be like what they put in the movies. And most people's aren't like that, but you've accepted that. And then, okay, I've accepted. Yes, it can be painful that my Christmas isn't like what I thought it would be. But at the same time, I accept it. And now I'm going to put a plan in place so I don't have to feel alone during this time. Because mm. I've also thought in the past, I don't know if you've ever had this occur to you, but I've thought that being alone would be the solution in the past and, and being just locking myself away. And But, oh, my God, that was almost worse than, <laughs> than doing the Christmas thing. So what did you feel? Being alone. Yeah, like if you're like, oh, I'm going to be alone, was it like a challenge to yourself or was it just to avoid it? I actually thought I was, you know, I realised that I was sick of um, everyone's just going to have to bear with my December brain right now. I'm I'm failing with words. But what's it called when your expectations are let down? Uh, Disappointed. Disappointed, yes. Yeah. So I was sick of kind of being disappointed and, I'd started to accept a couple of years ago that my expectations around this jolly, wonderful Christmas weren't going to happen. And I was like, okay, well, what if I just be alone? Cause I can't disappoint myself. And then I can make, make it a nice day for myself and put in less effort, but still be Christmassy if that makes sense. Cause it's just me, but it ended up triggering. Well, well actually I went to hospital. <laughs> I, I had a kidney infection that day and and went into hospital. So I ended up getting my wish. I was alone in hospital on Christmas, but it triggered it triggered huge abandonment issues for me. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's what's tied into me really realizing this year is that there is really two parts of myself. There is that part that still needs to be around people, that still needs something to happen. But there's also that part of me that still really wants it to be that like picture perfect thing. So I don't know what will happen moving forward, whether it'll just be trying to balance those out as best as I can. Um, It's all learning, right? But, But yeah, I definitely found that being alone didn't work for me. That was a pretty scary place. One of my bigger emotional downfalls. But that was before I started therapy and also before I got sober. So obviously that has a, an extra chaotic element to it there as well. Yeah, I'm sorry that you went through that. That sounded really tough. But fuck, being alone, I get that we, it's good to like your alone time. And a lot of us, you can like you as well. You do like your alone time. But at this time of the year, I think it's a time where you're very vulnerable and what we say, addiction, the opposite to addiction is connection, right? And so it's a time where you want to be around people and people that make you feel good and you mm. deserve that. I'm just so glad that you've been able to put this plan in place now. And it is, but you know what? It, when you get 
let down all the time and especially by family and sometimes close friends when you do get let down I can understand where your frame of mind would have been because you're like fuck everyone else I'm sick of trying to control the scenario around me and I'm sick of trying to sick of relying on other people I'm just taking this into my own hands and I'm just going to do Christmas my own way but at the same time that is can be also to our downfall right it's yeah it's um, yeah. I totally understand where that's come from and why you would have made that decision. What's your experience with Christmas? Do you have a lot come up for you at this time, even you know, aside from from the grief that you're experiencing and and the roller coaster that this particular year has been? I don't have a lot of expectations on Christmas, to be honest. I think because my Christmas has always been different every year. Uh, when I was young, when my parents together, we would have Christmas with everybody, with my grandma, with my cousins. But I remember that like once. Uh, Then there was just me and Nan and then Nan and I would help out with the homeless people every Christmas day. And then when Nan passed away, I've kind of just gone between maybe having it with my dad or going to Tassie to be with Andy's family. That's really nice when I go to Tassie to be with Andy's family. I'm really lucky that I, I suppose I have a husband, so I'm never alone at Christmas. But there have been times in the past where I've been alone before I met him because I don't have a family unit like yourself, really. So it's never been that perfect Christmas. So I've never had those expectations. But I suppose there's a part of me that always romanticised about it. Like I would love a Christmas tree one day. Um, That would be nice. Oh, babe, we need to be one of those (laughs) I know. (laughs) I need a Christmas tree. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's very different and then this year I think this one's going to be hard because this was the first time we were doing Christmas with my mom and my stepdad and I think we're all looking really forward to it and then obviously since he's passing that's not going to happen so I think it's going to be especially hard because this was a whole big plan that we're going to do our first Christmas with my mom and my stepdad so yeah but I don't know Christmas is a weird it's always been a bit of a weird one with me when I was drinking I used to be just so shit-faced that I know <laughs> yeah you know I'd go out Christmas Eve and I'd be so shit-faced at Christmas Day I didn't give a shit about Christmas one thing I was going to mention before as well is my favorite thing about being sober now two Decembers in a row is not making a fucking idiot of myself at a work party oh, oh. that is just like <laughs> so yes. good the best feels, all the best feels. Oh, yeah. the other day I had my Christmas party with a bunch of therapists from the hospital that I'm working at and we had our therapist, a Christmas party. Yeah, I know, <laughs> a lot of fun, a bunch of therapists in a room. Uh, but I was so glad I wasn't drinking and I was sober because I could just see how – I would be and just being able to because they're a really cool bunch of people and when I'm around a really cool fun bunch of people that's when I'm at my craziest right because I can do whatever I want and I came away drove home and I was just like thanks fuck I wasn't drinking thank fuck I wasn't drinking because I would have I would have been trauma dumping on one of those therapists there's no doubt about it or doing something like absolutely ridiculous that I would have regretted Something inappropriate, definitely something inappropriate, yeah. Oh, my God, the work parties are just free alcohol and a lot of bag. And then that laugh off that you have to do the next day or the next time you see them where you'll just kind of like laugh it away that you did this like really fucked up thing. I know. And I'd be so broken though. Like I'd be so broken. I remember like the last Christmas party when I worked in corporate, I walked in and I got my work colleague I'm like can you please come to the cafe with me I'm like I I don't know like I I, I don't even know what to do right now can't even walk in like I had so much anxiety I remember that conversation that was so shit because I was a manager as well and I was bringing in the drug and alcohol culture that's what I brought into the company yeah past lives hey yeah past lives that was a massive enabler so you're staying in Melbourne right through the holidays yeah, so we're staying here until the 26th because we were, we were always planning to go to Japan on the 26th. Uh, I did check with mum. I'm like, sure, you want me to go? She wants me to go. I think she just wants her own space at the moment. Like I said, never lived with mum. So being here for this long is like a lot. 
for us. Yeah. Because we're not used to that. Yeah. So here until the 26th. What about you? When do you leave? Uh, I leave on Wednesday, which is the 22nd. It's it's interesting. It'll be the first trip I've really taken that's been longer than – I'm just going to cut that out. Um, (laughs) It'll be the the first trip that I've really taken since – I got sober since I um, since I got diagnosed. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's six days long. It sounds like it's pretty much three days really on, and then three days, you know, with quiet time and um, and just chill, chill and movies and stuff. So hopefully, I get through it okay. I'm sure I will. Um, there are a great bunch of people that I'm I'm going to. You know, you said before, it's so important we go. We be with people that really fill us up and feel good and, and I've definitely chosen one of those. So I'm sure it'll be surprisingly lovely. And, and look, I think when it came down to deciding it, it was probably either going to be emotionally exhausting being here alone and dealing with those triggers and and whatever came up during that time or actually physically exhausting celebrating with, you know, a nice family and having a nice time. So I know which one I'd rather choose. Yeah, um, I'm so proud of you for making that decision and proactively seeking it out. Mm, lucky I have a beautiful friend that's that's opened her home to me. Are you? Is Japan your first overseas trip sober? No, I did Thailand. Uh, that, oh, yeah, of course. Right, when we started the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did Thailand. So, yeah, Japan, I'm looking forward to doing it sober. Um, to be honest... I really, well, I say this. This is why you've always got to know that the addict mind is there because I was about to say, I can't imagine drinking again. But yesterday I was thinking about getting a bag and doing a bender. So (laughs) I am looking forward to having a sober trip, but I am acknowledging that, you know, there could be triggers. So I've just got to go in there and make sure I'm still doing like the work and staying connected with my sober community while I'm there. Um, I'm trying to be posting a video on my Instagram at the moment just to kind of express what I'm feeling at the moment and just trying to help other people if they are feeling alone in this holiday season to know that they're not the only ones alone. So that's kind of helped me stay accountable. But it's just having those little plays so I can deal with triggers when they do occur. Are you Were you a big airport drinker? When I was travelling by myself or for work, yes, but I'm with Andy so I, I won't be. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, but... In the past, you know, traveling and flirting and drinking and making a fool of myself in the airports, I was, I loved doing. <laughs> flirting? Who have you flirted with in the, in the airports? Just like people you see like waiting for their flights <laughs> or on the, if you're sitting next, you know that like when you sit next to somebody your own age on the flight and it's kind of that. That has never happened to me. I was literally watching a movie this week. You know, and that's the storyline. And I was like, I have never sat next to someone cool. Like, I mean, may, maybe that's the autism in me, but I just do not open up for a conversation to someone next to me ever, ever. Oh my god! Ever, do you know ever, what ever. I? Do you know what I did once? I remember this. I don't think I've told anybody this. So, when I was twenty, I was on this flight to I think it was Thailand by myself. And there was this guy sitting next to me and we were like... Oh, my God, are you about to tell me that you, you joined the Mile High Club? No, I didn't. It's even worse. Like, this is tragic. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we were sitting next to each other and I was drinking and we were, like, flirting and talking and I just thought we had, like, this real connection. And at the time, this guy had been cheating on me for a while and he was just being an arsehole to him. It was one of my, one of my first relationships, really, mm. and... It was just one of those guys that I just couldn't get rid of and he was just head-fucking me. Uh, So then I got off the plane and we did our separation. We didn't hook up or anything. But then I wrote him this long letter or this email telling him about all my trauma and just like opening up and dumping everything like how I wanted this guy had made me feel and how I wanted to die. Like obviously I just did not know how to express my emotions properly and the right people to express your emotions to, never heard from him again. I'm really surprised by that. <laughs> you want to be like this fruit loop. What a fruit loop. Like this email was intense. I don't know what I wanted from him. I'm imagining um, 
I am imagining Ross and Rachel in Friends. Like it was eight pages front and back. (laughs) Yeah, and saying how I thought we had a connection and that this guy had broken my heart and how, you know, he's really ruined my mental health. And I just wanted to, like, I think what it was like a movie, like I thought he would come in and save me or something. And then we would be like these this relationship that would just be incredible because he's come in and saved me. But obviously he, he, I was just psychotic. (laughs) Oh, babe. Wow, that's a great, well, you know, a great story. But I'm glad you're not still doing that. Yeah. I'm glad you've come so so far. Weird. It was so weird. I used to be weird. Mm. That's the thing. When you're young and you're drinking, you do the fucking weird shit. My mum has this story and she brings it up every time. I, I still to this day don't really know who this person is, but he, he was quite famous. I mean, mum knew him. He was like on Australian TV and he was famous and I think mum had a bit the hots for him or whatever. But I took a flight because I used to have to fly between my parents and I used to fly unaccompanied back when, you know, it was a really big deal flying and flying unaccompanied was this whole process and like an air hostess would take you all the way and blah, 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 blah. And apparently on this flight that I do not remember, I do not remember speaking to this kid, I became like best friends with this this little boy. And then when we got off the other end, I was flying to my mum. So she picked me up and this gentleman that she recognised from TV that she was quite infatuated with (laughs) tapped her on the shoulder and was like, excuse me, can my son say goodbye to your daughter? He said he had a really good time with her. And, uh, and yeah, she was just so smitten and like could barely speak having her own anxiety attack. But she says that she still remembers this little boy saying that I was one of the coolest people he ever met. And he'd had this like really beautiful time sitting next to me. And thank you so much. So you have had that time. How old were you? Uh, About nine or (laughs) ten. Yeah. So you did. You did have your airport moment. Your your flight moment. I'm glad you didn't join the high club. To be honest, Mel, it sounds like my mum had my airport moment. Yeah. 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 I just became friends colouring with this 10-year-old boy, but she got this, like, handsome, famous person tapper on the shoulder out of it. Yeah, yeah. That could have been your dad, your new dad. Well, I guess, but it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So were you a big drinker at the airport? Oh, well, not when I was 10, but uh, once I was at drinking age, yeah, definitely. Um, I was at a huge fan of the the drink at the airport for good luck. So the moment I was through all the things, didn't even matter what time of day, didn't matter where I was going, I always sat down and had a glass of champagne. But, yeah, I think it will be interesting once I get to my first international flight sober. But I definitely, like, I find it fine to go through, you know, I think domestic is so quick, right? So, you're not really at the airport for as long. So I don't think there's going to be any any kind of triggering or feeling there this time around. I think it will be more when I go back to international flying and you have to go two hours earlier to the airport and, and sit there for a little bit longer waiting, then it will probably come up again. You know what my tip is, and it might not be um, your thing, but for me, I like to get my steps up. And that's the thing, like when I, if I, because last time I was at the airport, my flight was delayed so much, like so many hours of waiting at the airport. And most places where you sit, where you get food and stuff, there's always, it's always a bar, right? So Mm. I just get up and walk my steps and try and get to my 10,000 steps because it just distracts me. Because that's the thing, you're like, you just got to try and keep distracting yourself. That's such a great idea. I Mm. am not in the physical condition right now to do that but that's what I thought in the future that is such a good idea just yeah. walking yeah walking around and making a game with getting those steps up do you do plain yoga no I don't do yoga generally <laughs> let alone plain yoga do you do plain yoga no no <laughs> but I've just heard of it I try yeah. to if it's an international flight I'll go to the, where the toilet area is because there's that little gap there and I'll just kind of do some squats or something but, yeah, it's pretty well, hard. Well, that's like it? airplane park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Park yeah. Core. Pre- plane core. Yeah, park core. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But, yeah, it's pretty hard to do much when you're on an aeroplane. But, mm. yeah, I've had some really shocking times on aeroplanes because you get more pissed than you do oh, when God, yeah. you're on the ground. So when I'm drinking on the aeroplane and all I'm thinking about is my next drink, my next drink, like I'm so distracted, like ringing that bell, get me my next drink. And, yeah, I've had some really um, weird situations where I've started a silent disco with the passengers next to me and obviously all <laughs> the other passengers would have hated me. Uh, I've left all my shit on the bat on the plane, like my laptop, my iPad, my car keys, oh, everything. Shit. So then I've been homeless for a weekend because I have no way to get into my house. Yeah, there's <laughs> been some really, really shocking times when it comes to me, planes, and alcohol. In truth, though, I do think I'll miss how, when it comes to international flying, how drinking makes it so much easier to fall asleep on those flights. Yeah, I'm probably gonna miss that. Sometimes, so for me, it was making me it like it would go either way, right? You think? I don't yeah. know if it would go either way because I've only ever drunk on international flights. Yeah, but I feel like sometimes I would get sleepy. But if I kept drinking in that mode, I could get like oh, you would stay super party. energetic and play the music. <laughs> <laughs> but it was always shit when you got off the plane. That's the worst thing. That is oh the yeah, worst. you're dehydrated for days. Yeah, dehydrated, just feeling like, and then you've got to do all this, especially if it's an international flight, you have to get your way out of there. <laughs> and that's when I lose all my belongings. So we've talked about Christmas. Is there anything else you want to add to Christmas? Because I know you wanted today's topic to be moderation. We could get there. Yeah. I actually saw this thing, you know, obviously for me, moderation doesn't work. And I don't think it works for you as well, Claire, right? Yeah, I guess I've never really tried it since I've been sober. But, I mean, I definitely tried it. I definitely tried it in the sense that I didn't call it moderation. I um, would set challenges, 30-day challenges, or um, or I'm only going to drink up to two drinks a night for the next 30 days. Or I'm only going to drink on... Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, or I don't know, all sorts of shit. I mean, I've come up with every challenge under the book when it came to trying to um, moderate drinking. I just didn't know that that's what I was trying to do. But I never kept to any of it. So for that reason, I've just, since I've gotten sober, I felt the need to just stay away from it completely. And it's just so time-consuming and energy-consuming, those thoughts. The mental gymnastics. The mental gymnastics. That's the thing. Is it worth it? But... I like how you said there about, you know, all the things that you, tr- you the challenges you set yourself because moderation for me is part of like the sober journey. I don't think mm. it's very hard to go from not drinking to suddenly be sober, right? Um, but even, you know, like you said, like when you've, it's not like maybe you haven't accomplished moderation, but you try to set yourself challenges at the start. Oh yeah, for sure. Sorry. Now I know what you mean. Yeah. It was like, I think in those years where there was an inkling in me that knew that I didn't want to drink anymore before I even admitted that to myself, that was coming out in attempts to moderate. And attempts to set challenges. Yeah. Which is why I think by the time I got to the day that I actually stopped drinking, I was like, yeah, it's time to just stop because I can actually look back now and see that for the last three years I've been trying an inverted thingy-mobobs to stop at different times and I've tried to take my space from alcohol and it hasn't worked doing it in moderation. So I may as well just give up completely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I find that is such a relevant thing to talk about because – Change takes time. And for you to go from thinking I I drink to I don't ever want to drink again, like it's a really, really intimidating thought and it doesn't feel realistic. And if you set your goals, set goals that are unrealistic, then you are going to fail because it takes time to make these changes. And I think anybody who is on the sober journey or trying to change their relationship with alcohol, I think you've got to give yourself a pat on the back. Because that's huge. There's a big difference between drinking and thinking that there's no problem at all with your drinking than actually realising that there is a problem with your drinking or with your drug usage, right? I think that's mm. what we've got to recognise, that there's such a big difference there, but we we don't celebrate actually realising that we might have a problem because that's huge. When you suddenly realise that, that's such a huge, huge thing to acknowledge. Definitely. And I think for me, failing the challenges was also how I realized I had a problem. 
So it did, even though I wasn't conscious that it was part of the journey at the time, it was definitely part of the journey. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, there are unicorns out there that can moderate. I would never judge someone's journey because everyone is different. Everyone has different brain chemistry. We talk about this all the time. Your journey is your journey. And no one, you're the expert of yourself. Of yourself. I will never say to someone, no, you will never be able to moderate. For me, moderation hasn't worked. I've tried it. But also, maybe if I trained my brain really hard, moderation could work. But I don't have the time to do that or the energy. After years and years of drinking, that neural pathway is there where it knows that it's going to get a dopamine hit from alcohol and that neural pathway will always be there. So for me to try and change that, it would take a lot of work, which I'm not prepared to do. I've got, and I want to use my energy on other things. You know, There's mm. other greater things out there than thinking about whether I can moderate drinking or not because I live a really good life sober. Like sobriety is good for me. It makes everything better for me. So I think it's important to say that we're not here to judge anyone if they want to moderate. And I think if it's a way to start changing relationship with alcohol, Aim for moderation. Aim for cutting back. Um, Fuck yes. Yeah. And also, even if you're not, even if you're not trying to moderate to try to be sober in the end, man, anyone, anyone that tries to set a challenge, that does a challenge, that does a dry month, that trying to moderate, that's sober curious in this saturated society, like alcohol saturated society and all this messaging that we have around us, drink this, drink that, drink for this reason, drink for that reason. I just applaud them, you know, because if to have even an inkling of a thought that you want some space mm-hmm. from alcohol, whether it be a day, a week, a month, a year, six months, weekdays only, two weekdays only, I mean, that's that's huge in Australia yeah. in 2022, especially in our age group. So huge. So everybody who is whatever... Claire just said then, because that was really good. <laughs> Give yourself a clap. Yay. Uh, I, I said one productive sentence today. Oh, you're being great. You're always a great, great speaker. You're very, oh, what's that word? Etiquette? No. Etiquette? Etiquette. No. Et- is that when you speak really well? What's that word? Articulate. articulate. You're very articulate. Mm. Yeah. So, sometimes mm. I have a bit of a list, so I've already got to move my tongue. Um, I wanted to give some advice though so I followed this account mind the sip and she talks about moderation and wait actually Mel can I stop you there because I just realized you didn't actually tell us about your experience with moderation so since I mean you've told us that you got sober in in COVID that was your first little stint so just talk us through maybe a time since then that you've thought, okay, I'm going to give moderation a go. What was your, what are your rules around moderation and how quickly did it, did it fail for you? So I think, think difference with me, my moderation is probably different to someone who's actually trying to moderate. This is why you have to be so honest with yourself on this journey. My moderation is like do a bender once every two months. That would, that would be my moderation. That's great moderation. Yeah. Well, it's better than doing a bender every weekend, right? So mm. that would be my moderation or having just two glasses of wine after dinner. Uh, and I've tried that as well, like, you know, trying to moderate my alcohol intake. But mostly it was I love benders. Like that's my thing. I don't drink to just have a glass of wine. I drink to get fucked up. So my moderation was decreasing my benders, which was good. I needed to do that. So that worked for me at the time leading up to um, COVID. So I was doing that for a couple of years prior. So my benders had decreased, but I was still doing them. But the thing is, for me, just doing, even doing a bender every two months, like they were big benders. I think they were just like, <laughs> yes, I would be decrease the amount of benders, but maybe the time of the benders were you getting make longer. Up for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Yeah, that was my moderation. Then when I have had slip-ups, I thought maybe I could moderate, but then it was just too much of the thinking. Mm. I didn't even get to a point where I successfully moderated at all because it was the head fuck of trying to plan out when I would have a drink or watching other people drink or seeing how much they were drinking. It was too much. I couldn't handle Mm. it. I was so confused. I didn't know who I was anymore. Then I self-doubt. And then I would just end up getting fucked up anyway. So I just it was just a cycle that I don't, don't need in my life. So, yeah, that is my experience. Thanks for sharing moderation. that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, all right, what's your advice? Hit it. 
Hit, well, it's, hit not, us, it's not my advice. It's, it's mine the sip. So it, that, it. she's actually starting an app uh, which is helping people to moderate or That's be fun. sober. Yeah, it's really cool. And she's such a cool chick. She comes to my events in Sydney. Uh, but she has an Instagram mind the sip and she actually moderates. So she's was she's one of those people that has been able to moderate. So I really wanted to give a point of view from her where she gives some advice of how you can moderate when you're going out, going out for dinner with friends. So let's start. Step one, before heading out, I set a clear plan for the drinks I intended to consume across the evening. Three for those of you playing at home. Step two, the first thing I did before ordering an alcoholic drink was peruse the alcohol-free alternatives. So I had a game plan of what to order throughout the night. I'm looking at you, Amaretti Sour. There's some restaurants that really do good Amaretti Sours. They do liars and they are delicious. Third step, first up, I ordered a sparkling water and bubbles to complement the oysters and other top-notch starters. Can I get a hell yeah for the crumbed olives? She's obviously talking about her experience out. But, yeah, fuck yeah, I love prompt olives. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, now I want olives. Mm. Yeah, and I want oysters. Uh, Step four, in between the starters and mains, I hit up the alcohol-free Amaretti Sour and she didn't disappoint. I think I'm going to make Amaretti Sours for Christmas now. Yeah, I'm going to get some liars. (laughs) Uh, Step five, into my second hour now, I ordered a glass of bread to accompany my main. The waters were still flowing, so she's still drinking waters here. Step six, that's it for dinner, friends, two drinks. Step seven, dinner wrapped up and we took a stroll to the theatre. Now into my third hour, enjoyed a bubbles while I was taking in the first half of the show. That's the drinks done and dusted. And then it's ice cream, sparkling water, and then it's home with a cup of tea. And she's thankful that she was able to be present and have the friendship and connection. So I thought that was just a great little plan so if you are trying to moderate but again this is for the people that are trying to moderate I am not giving this advice if you are sober and successfully being sober don't let your addict mind go to you oh they could do it you can do it now <laughs> you can do yeah, that cut you can that do those out. steps cut that be out. Honest with yourself. are you drinking for like you know this plan's great but for me I'm not drinking to accompany any meals or anything. That would be, but that would be an excuse that the addict mind would make. Like I would be mm-hmm. wanting to get fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, so really sitting with yourself and figuring out the why are you drinking tonight is a great way to anticipate whether you might be able to, to stay true to that moderation or not. Um, and also sitting with yourself and making sure you're in a good emotional state before you go out because it's so mm-hmm. easy to – all of a sudden be drinking our feelings away right so if you if you've got some feelings there chances are you're going to struggle keeping up with that three drink limit and also when you're feeling really good it's like you kind of want to feel like an equilibrium like feeling just like just just not really good because I drink even after the funeral I felt really good having all these connections with people around me and I wanted to drink that's when I really wanted to drink not when I was feeling sad about the death yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was a huge celebrator. Woo, woohoo girl. Yeah, definitely a woohoo girl. Was there much alcohol at the at the wake? Yeah. I organized I organized it all, so I did provide alcohol there. Mm. Uh because just because I know how to self-soothe without it doesn't mean that other people don't. So Yeah. I, I um Yeah, there is there was alcohol there and it was especially if they did the toast with the sherries at the start. It's a Greek orthodox tradition. So everyone's like, are you going to have a drink? I don't drink. You should have a drink. I was, I was just like, yeah, but I would have 10 of those if I have mm. one. So it was, but I was 10. And then I'd re-download my dealers app. And exactly. Then... <laughs> exactly. White Christmas, here we come. Yeah. <laughs> white Christmas, yeah. Yeah. See, that's we know how other... to do white Christmas in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the other pathway and another reason why um, you and I probably don't work with moderation is because not only are we fighting the the really well-run pathway of, of drinking for the wrong reasons and, and getting on a bender, but we're also fighting that pathway that opens up the moment we have our first drink that says, hey, we want some cocaine. So, um and if you have that pathway open up, there's no way that you're sticking with three drinks at dinner. 
Or you might stick with three drinks and then get a bag and then there's no way you stick them with three drinks. Um, yeah, because we're battling yeah. two, two things there and we both have tried moderation with cocaine as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't think I've tried moderation. I think I just tried to stop doing it and then realised how fucking hard that was once I was drinking. I'll, I'll just do one bag tonight. I'll just share a bag with a friend. Oh, actually, I was always a great cocaine moderator in that sense, uh, in that sense, Mel. Oh. Yeah. I, well, I I didn't like sharing with a bag because generally someone who I was sharing with would want more of it quicker than me. That would be me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably share one bag with you and then realise I never wanted to share again. So I would actually like um, having a bag. And I also didn't like doing full lines. And I've wondered if this is a bit of my sensory stuff. But I couldn't stand, yeah, a lot of the time doing a full line made me really uncomfortable inside my body. Um, so I actually used to just do points. And once I figured out that I, I just like doing points, I um, – God, we're talking a lot about how to do drugs in this in this app. But yeah, once I figured out that I just wanted to do points, I used to just buy my own bags. Yeah, yeah. And they'd last self efficient, weren't you? Time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I was a shocker. Like I I didn't want to share a bag with anyone, but obviously I'd try and do it to cut price, but there was no point because I'd be ordering another bag. Did you ever used to do the sneaky like Take some you out of the bag. the bag, but take some out. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Was, that's the uh, thing, though. It's that addict mind where you things that you would never do, you do just to get mm. that fix. Because and that addict mind says there's not enough to share, and that's true with alcohol as well. Like I used to feel that drinking bottles of wine, I'd be so hyper aware of like getting my half, you know, whereas really I look back and that wasn't about money. It wasn't about being selfish. It was just about like that addict of mind, making sure there's going to be enough to make me feel comfortable or making sure there's going to be enough so that I can get drunk or making sure there's going to be enough so I can self-soothe. Yeah, it's, it is. It's kind of, it's, I already have this feeling in my stomach. It's like this panic that what mm. are you going to do without it? You're not going to survive without it. And it was like that with God, alcohol. that's such a good explanation. It was like that when I didn't know if I was going to get a bag tonight or my drug dealer wouldn't answer. Like it was sudden this panic and I couldn't concentrate on anything else but making sure that I have got the substances that I need to be able to function properly. Mm. Yeah. Wow, you said that perfectly. You perfectly articulated that, Mel. Articulated, articulated. So... Did we wrap up, Claire? I think so. Let's keep it short and sweet today. Yeah. It's been a year. It's been a fucking year. Let's bring on 2023. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah? No, don't say it. Don't say it. I know. It. Every, we said that about that, 2020. We I said know. that about 2021. <laughs> Everybody thinks like there's these massive changes that happen on the 1st of January, right? It's mm. like... But you can start the change now, guys. You can start your changes now. <laughs> Here she is. <laughs> you can be your best version of yourself, but you start it right now. Before we go, though, I do – is there something that good that's happened to you since we last spoke? Because I definitely have had a couple of small wins since we last spoke. And, you know, we started off with all the grim stuff which is okay. It's perfectly valid. It's going on for the both of us. So that's a, a valid experience and, and valid to talk about. But is there any any kind of highs or wins that you've had that you want to finish off with? Uh, a high has been that I feel really strong. You know, like I have. A, we've both had a rough year this year, but we'll speak about this on another episode, but had some let down disappointments with fertility stuff and I've like with my mental health as well but I do feel like I'm a lot stronger at the moment and especially mm. with what's happened like I feel like I'm dealing with that really well I feel emotionally stable I feel like I've got a good doctor at the moment I've got a good psychologist and also loving my work in the hospital like seeing all these people in their own recovery and just being there and being vulnerable with me like it's incredible it's just incredible seeing all these people make these changes in their life 
especially when they've had such rock bottoms. And it gives me hope as well that I can be a bit stronger every day. So, yeah, that's some good things that have happened for me. They're huge things, Mel. Thank you. And I haven't binged eat for ages. <gasps> so good. So ever since you went on the macro with your, yes. with your coach? Wow, Mel, that's amazing, babe. Little break from her at the just because of obviously what's going on, but I'm still have been in control of my binge eating and I feel really good and healthy. Um, and I'm still eating like just loving eating whatever I want, which is great. I love Mazina. Yeah. Fucking love Mazina ice cream. Uh, but <laughs> what about you? Yeah, what's good stuff that's happened to you? Well, um, my my good things not so much have happened to me. I can't say I'm finishing the year feeling very strong, to be honest, Mel. I feel mm. my body's just in a in a bit of a, a shit heap at the moment, which I know isn't very um, very loving to say about my body, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's how I'm kind of feeling. Um, but I do have to say that I did just before December, I did a wedding. I'm a celebrant. Yes. You did? Yes. Yes, I did. And killed I, it. Nailed I it. killed it. Yes. It was such a beautiful day. Everything went so well. Um, yeah, I was fully able to pull it together. I mean, I did like eight hours driving in, in four days for it and got out there and it was like a seven-hour day for me, um, the actual wedding plus the driving. I was overtaking tractors and all sorts of things. It was a wild, wild day, but the biggest day I've had in so, so, so long um, and the first wedding I've done in nearly a year. Uh, so that was amazing. It was so good to accomplish that and have it go really well and, yeah, be able to to push through and keep my anxiety in check and all of those things. Um, so that made me feel really strong. So anyone getting married out there, get Claire as your celebrant in Queensland because – she is amazing and you want to get married by her. You want to. <laughs> so just a little um thanks, Mel. Little call out there. Nice little plug for me. Yeah. Um and then I also finally because it was delayed for many a years, but our friends got together. Um, and I did a big school friends reunion. Well, I didn't do the big version. I did a, a, a kind of watered down version. I did a one day version with them, but I did it sober and even went to a boat party, which was also pretty much my first night out in nearly a year to somewhere that like a DJ's played and, and there was alcohol. And I was so stoked. The guy was giving me $1 non-alcoholic drinks. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. What a win. Yeah, I know. Like the boat party um, after the ticket cost me $4, $4 Mel, for a boat party. And I wow. also discovered cranberry and lime. Fucking Ooh, that delicious. Could be good for Christmas as well. Guys, we're giving you yeah, drinks for Christmas here. We are. Just super simple. But um, my friend actually ordered it non-alcoholic because I think she found out that it was a dollar uh <laughs> your secret and, and I had a sip and I was like wow without vodka that is fucking delicious so I was drinking cranberry and limes which I really liked because I I don't know about you but when I'm not drinking alcohol I can only really take one or two bubbly drinks yeah I don't yeah, like the bubbles now that they don't have alcohol in them um I find it hard to drink too many so yeah, it was nice to have something flat to drink. So I did that and then... And no UTIs then, which would have been good. No UTIs, babe. <laughs> no UTIs. But don't you need sex for that? Oh, I don't know. But isn't cranberry juice good for UTIs? It is good for UTIs, but I yeah. also think you need sex for UTIs. And, I mean, it's been two years since I've had sex. So yeah. definitely no <laughs> UTIs here. <laughs> oh. I think that'd be something really wrong if I was to get a UTI right now. Um, and then I did see a doctor finally, an amazing doctor. I can't wait to speak about this in a proper episode. Um, the One of the best doctors I've ever seen, I think. He was a rheumatoid specialist. I think that's what you call him. What um, is that? 
uh, basically like a it's rheumatoid arthritis. So it's basically for all the arthritis-y stuff. Um, but they're who you have to see to get fibromyalgia diagnosed. And that came through for me. So I do have a new a new little slice of information, a new label for that includes a little bit more guidance and includes a little bit more validation. I'm yet to really sink my teeth into it, but I do definitely think that that is one good thing that has happened uh, this year. And also I'll throw in a last little win to prove how sick I've been. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Mel, but once you have, have spent a certain amount of doctors on your Medicare, you you get 80% back of every doctor or specialist that you see. Really? Yeah. I've, I've never known about it because I've never hit it, but I hit it this year and um, the rheumatoid specialist, I swear that's probably not what you call him. I'm probably going to have to do an apology in the next episode and be like... <laughs> Rheumatoid, yeah. This is actually what the doctor is called. Um, but I saw him for $30 and I saw my psychiatrist for $20. Oh, my so gosh. Was That's unheard very, of. I wow. know. It was super exciting to squeeze those in in this year because it's going to roll over to a fresh start next year. Um but but yeah, something I didn't know until until recently. But if if you're sick enough to hit that, God, you save some money. <laughs> yeah, you hit a milestone. <laughs> Spend some money to make some money. You know, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, those things though, like, as such huge achievements because I know this year's been a battle with your health. So to keep searching for answers and start getting more information. We need more information when it comes to the stuff that's going on with us to make the right decisions and sometimes to get that validation as well. So good job for keep seeking out more and more information because you know it's hard when you feel like shit and to go to all these appointments, right, and to even book mm. them and search for the right doctors. Like it's fucking hard. Plus it's a hell of a lot harder when, when you're not working and then they're suddenly like, oh, yeah, that's $400 for 10 minutes and you're like, oh, oh it's okay. so expensive, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And doing a sober boat party. I know. I love that. You feel so good after you do those events, though, don't you? Mm. Like, fuck yeah. 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 Me. That was a huge relief, both of those. I think the um, seeing my school friends sober had been weighing on me for quite some time, to be honest, because it just Mm. was such a party that we used that I used to just drink a lot in. So it was really. you know, I didn't know how it was going to go and you overthink those things. You think, you know, sometimes you think they're going to be more triggering than they end up being and it's just that mental gymnastics. It's just nice to have done one now and have it have it past me and know that it was all good. Have that win, win mm. on you. Though the photo that you, you sent into the members chat, you did look drunk. So were you sober? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should post that. Got this beautiful photo of an eye half closed at the boat party and everyone else looks sober as and I'm there, you know, looking like I'm tripping over with an eye half closed, just looking wasted as fuck. Classic. Classic that I would still get drunk photos even when I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was a really good little share that we both did. So that's a great way to finish the year. I just want to jump in and add, I just want to thank everyone. I mean, we kind of fell off the face of the earth there for a bit. <laughs> but we came back. We came than back. Ever. We're back. Our, our th- second favourite tagline, we are back. Um, but I do just want to thank everyone for just riding it along with us. Um, if if we do drop off in, in future, it is just because we're going through some shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we'll get around to telling you about. Um, and Exactly. But also it's, I just want to add in there, Claire, like for us it's important that we set boundaries when we do this podcast. We want it to be an honest podcast and we want it to, to keep it as something we love. So yeah. for us setting those boundaries is important. If we're not feeling it, we're probably not going to be chatting to you. No. No. But or to each other, yeah, <laughs> or to each we other, yeah, yeah, each other. yeah. But um, it is important that we all set boundaries. So if we can, you know, set that, so you feel it's okay to you set for you to set boundaries as well. That's what we want to do because, like I said, this is something that we want to keep as a fun thing that we do together. Yes, we're not here to do it all. We're just here to do what we want to do 
when it feels right to do it. Um, In saying that, though, we are pretty excited to be back on the mic today and hopefully moving forward, at least for the foreseeable future, there'll be a couple consecutive ones again. Um, But, yeah, if you listened this year, thank you so much. You've been absolutely so welcoming to our little baby. What the fuck was she thinking? And, yeah, why the fuck not? I'll wish you a Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. <laughs> Where's your piano, babe? <laughs> I know. and I do have a keyboard. I've got a trombone. Anyways, all right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. And just a shout out, guys. If you're looking for your sober crew, join the It's Not Me, It's Booze community. We have a membership where we're doing some really good stuff next year and you get to be in a crew with Claire and I. Could there be any better? <laughs> but there's going to be online workshops. There's live events for people in Sydney. There's sober support, which is a group therapy session. We do the first Saturday every month, and that's all included in your membership and a group chat. And we are open to everybody. You don't just have to be female to be in this group, okay? We're starting this next year. We're exclusive opening, to everybody. Opening to the men. Exclusive to everybody or inclusive? It's inclusive. Inclusive. It? Oh. Inclusive of everyone. Inclusive mm. of everybody. And I do have to say, just to remind you all, that is, it's not me, it's booze. It's not me, it's booze is how I met Mel in the first place. So beautiful, beautiful friendships are formed there and you will definitely find someone that you'll click with and who will probably end up being an amazing support for you, you know, six months or a year or however long on. But, yeah, I mean, Mel's one of my closest friends now and biggest supports, and that all came out of her beautiful company. It's not me, it's booze. So definitely jump in and have a look if you're tempted. I love you too, babe. I love you too, babe. I'll pay you later for that plug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'll stop okay. it, okay? Stop yep. it. Thanks for listening to What the Fuck Was She Thinking? If you like this episode, make sure you like, subscribe, leave a review. We would love to hear from you.